We're going to be in Psalm 119 this morning. We'll get back to 2 Timothy next Sunday. We'll continue our study there. But this morning we'll be in Psalm 119. I, I like the story of a Texas billionaire. Of course, I've been in Texas. But I like this story. It, it's a doctor story, Dr. Steve. But this Texas billionaire had a very sick son. And he took him to doctor after doctor. Specialist after specialist. He got no better. So finally, uh, this Texas billionaire put the word out that whoever could make his son well, he would give him anything he could choose. And finally, it turned out that a country doctor in a small town of Texas was the one that helped heal that son, got him well. And the Texas billionaire said to that country doctor, Doc, you can choose whatever you want within reason. What do you want? And the humble country doctor, he said, well, you know what? I've always wanted a matching set of golf clubs. Love to play golf. The Texas Benier said, I'll take care of it. Well, months and months and months went by. Never heard from the Texas billionaire until finally he called him and said, Doc, I thought, you probably thought I forgot you. But I have a matching set of golf clubs for you. Took me a while to find them. I wanted to get the best for you. But I looked all over and the two golf clubs that I bought, neither one had a pool. So I had pools put in both of them, and they are now ready, your matching set of golf clubs. That's a pretty good doctor story, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, yeah. It is the Masters this weekend, isn't it? That's about the only golf story I know. Well, it would be nice to have a Texas billionaire as a friend, wouldn't it? But in truth, we have a much greater friend. Our Lord is much more able than any billionaire. I like what Paul tells us in Philippians, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, God has a lot of riches in glory, more than we can fathom and realize, way beyond physical things for us, his people. And in Psalm 119, we catch glimpses of that. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at verses 17 through 24. Some insight that the psalmist, and I'm going to call David, uh, gives us about spiritual abundance. So let's turn there and let's stand as we read our scripture this morning. Psalm 119, we're going to pick up at verse 17. And here David says, Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, 
which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did set and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we just uh, thank you for the journey of your servants. And here we see one that turned to you. That in the midst of his struggles, he found delight in you, Lord. May that be our experience today and, and each and every day. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. All right, what does this psalm teach us about uh, spiritual strength, spiritual abundance, and, and, and blessing? And the first thing we would learn right away is that it would tell us to go straight to God. We look at verse 17. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. You see, David went straight to God. He always did that. Many times his psalms begin with a prayer uh, unto the Lord. He just starts right there. And sometimes when we try to solve or deal with something, we just go to the wrong source. Don't get any results. Uh, we have to go to right places. Uh, sometimes the store clerk isn't able to uh, help us with certain things. We have to go to upper level management, someone who can make decisions and get an answer. If you want your car fixed right, you need to go to a place that does good work, that's honest. And can do the job. And David here goes to the proper source. He goes to the Lord. Deal bountifully with thy servant. I like what the old hymn says. Take it to the Lord in prayer. It's where we need to do. Uh, you know too often we uh, take things. and we'll say well we'll try this. Well let's do this. And maybe we'll try this approach. And maybe if we did this. And then finally we say. Well maybe we should pray about it. And then we find out that works. But too often it's the last resort and it should be the first. And David says to God, deal bountifully. Uh, means uh, to recompense, to reward, to deal bountifully. And it's interesting that David, notice when he went to the Lord, he, he didn't say, Lord, give me a little blessing. Give me an average one. But, but deal bountif bountifully with thy servant. Because David saw a big God. A God that could do marvelous things. And that's what he seeks out. You know, I love that verse in Ephesians where Paul is ending a prayer. And he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh, in us. Think about that. God, God can do more than we ask. He can do more than we can even think. That's pretty big. And, and we see that, that uh, David saw that, Paul saw that. You know, our Lord teaches that uh, with God. You know, he told disciples, why is your faith so weak? Nothing is impossible with God. He is a big God can handle everything and he's willing to deal bountifully with his people the prodigal son 
he realized his father's generosity, his father's love. And when he returned home, as the Gospel Luke tells us, that uh, he just wanted to be a hired hand and he confessed his sin to his father, but his father was gracious like our Heavenly Father. And he said, put the best robe on him. Put shoes on his feet. Put a ring on his hand. Prepare the fatted calf for a meal. Uh, he blessed him exceedingly with all his resources. But the important thing here that we see about David, he says, deal bountifully with thy servant. In other words, he had a relationship with God. God was his uh, master, his Lord, and he was God's servant. It, it's just a personal engagement between him and the Lord. And so the first thing we need to start with, we need to go straight to God. We need to have a relationship with him. And we need to ask ourselves, do I know the Lord? Do I know Jesus Christ? Have I come to him and confessed my sin? Have I asked him to save me and make me one of his? And trusted in my heart. That is so important. If we learn anything, we've got to have a relationship with God. And that comes about with Jesus Christ. That's where we start. Now we also see next, as we look at verse 18, we need to have spiritual vision. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know, some people look at God's word and, and, and they just don't see a thing. But David looked at God's word and he said, and he knew there are wonderful things in here. Great things to see in God's word. C.H. Spurgeon, the Baptist preacher, he said the Bible is a wonderland. really is and we need eyes to see it you know Fanny Crosby that wrote a lot of our hymns blessed assurance Jesus of mine redeemed how love to proclaim it and many others uh, she was blind for practically all her life and yet she had tremendous spiritual vision for the things of God we look in John chapter 9, we find a blind man who encountered Jesus and, and Jesus will heal, give him his eyesight. Uh, but he never sees Jesus and, until after he gets his eyesight back. But that blind man had more spiritual insight than the religious Pharisees who had physical eyes. That's a good sound. But that word wondrous, that I may behold wondrous things, refers to things that are unusual, beyond human capability, to bring astonishment. And that's what David wanted. He says, I want to see in your word things that are unusual, that are beyond human eyes, to be astonished at God's word. And that's a good question to ask ourselves. When's the last time we've been astonished 
at what God revealed in his word. When do we see something unusual, meaningful, and deep? Uh, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. Now, the, book, the Bible is very clear. The problem is we have a veil that prevents us from seeing what God has in his word. We just need to pray, Lord, help me to see what you have there. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things. I remember Howard Ramsey. He served as a director of missions here in our association years ago. Then went on to our convention as evangelism director. A man who loved to witness, but uh, every time he preached, he would always pray uh, after reading God's word that God would open our ears, open our eyes, open our heart. He never failed to do that. Always did that. Now, realize that this requires effort on our part. We just can't say, Lord, open my eyes and then expect him to give it to us. We have to do our part of study and being diligent and digging in to God's word. What is it? Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, so we need to be diligent uh, studiers of God's word. And he'll do that. You take a lot of these uh, great Christian writers, um, men and women of the past that have given great insight. That did not come easily. They had a life devoted to study and walking with God. Then he'll honor that. And certainly today we need people with spiritual vision when we have so many blind about us. We need that. Now the other thing we see in this psalm is that David would tell us, don't get comfortable. Verse 19. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Now here's David. He has everything. He has great ability. God's gifted him. Uh, he's a king. He has wealth. And yet he's aware of his position. I am a stranger in the earth. It is better to be a stranger in the earth than a stranger before God. And that's what David saw. That word stranger means to be a sojourner. One who's traveling through. If you look back at Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Moses is instructing the people. Deuteronomy 10 verse 17. Here he tells the people, For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. 
he doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. And then look at verse 19. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. You see, Moses is saying, realize who our God is. How great he is. And how he watches over people, uh, the fatherless and widow. How he loves the stranger and will provide. And then he tells the people, you're to love the stranger because you were strangers in Egypt. Egypt was never home. They were just there temporarily. They were passing through. And that's what David is saying here in Psalm 119. I am a stranger in the earth. I'm passing through. It's not my home. We look in Hebrews 11. The heroes of faith. And it's interesting, uh, their perspective. Hebrews 11. We look at verse 9. About Abraham. Uh, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And then in verse 13, Paul points out, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Every hero of faith realized this was not home. That they were strangers in earth, passing through. And that's a perspective we need to recapture. This is not home. We're strangers passing through. I always smile when I think of that seminary professor years ago that told us in class. He says, uh, the richer we get in possessions, the less likely we sing, I'll fly away. But if we look at the you know, African-American spirituals, they will often have a sense of passing through. Looking ahead to the promised land. Of not getting comfortable. And that comes from their slave heritage. Whereas slaves, they didn't own anything. They were owned. They were the property. Anything could be taken from them. Even their children, their husband or wife, could be sold off. And it did happen. And the only hope that they had was in their Lord and the promised land of heaven. That was their own sure thing. 
And we see it in their songs. Are we climbing, climbing Jacob's ladder? Soldiers of the cross. Swing low, sweet chariot. Jesus calls you now. He's got the whole world in his hands. I've got peace like a river. Lord, I want to be a Christian. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it. You know, looking at our uh, insert got in your bolts today, there's some good stuff here on some uh, quotes from George Whitfield. I like the one of facing opposition. He says, if you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, you are going to be opposed. In our days, to be a true Christian is really to become a scandal. That was in George Whitfield's day. James Boyce says, if you are trying to follow God, the world is going to treat you as an alien. I think that's profound. If you're following God, the world is going to treat you as an alien. And that's exactly what we're seeing, isn't it? The world is looking at us Christians and saying, Matt, what an odd bunch. They are out of step with the times. They need to look at science and get with it. They need to recognize what civil rights really are. They have some old-fashioned deals that are out of date about marriage and the unborn. Well, it's because that's what God said. And that's what we stay with. And as we follow God's word, we are going to be seen as aliens. And we're seeing that more and more. And that's all right. Now, the danger of the world is we get comfortable. Uh, David realized he's a stranger, and with that, he didn't want God's word to be taken away, hidden from him there in verse 19. And the world will do that. It'll try to bury the things of God, especially his word. Uh, I love the parable or the story Jesus told of the sower. Scatters the seed on different grounds, word of God. And if you remember, some falls on stony ground. Birds come get it. Uh, some seed falls in little dirt, stone underneath, and it just kind of pops up, and then sun comes, burns it up. He also mentions some seed is uh, sown among thorns, I'll, and that's the one that interests me. And Jesus says that, that uh, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful that that is so interesting uh, because it's so easy you know God's word is sown in our lives and then just making a living just taking care of the yard and the house just making sure the vehicle runs the cares of the world can crowd in 
and choke God's word. And it becomes unfruitful. And then the deceitfulness of riches, thinking we need this thing or that experience. And it chokes it. David was aware of that. He didn't want that. Solomon, his son, would not do so well in that area. When we first went to seminary, uh, Baker James Coffin had just retired as uh, president of the International Mission Board for our Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, he was the IMB president when Don Lang, uh, one of my mentors, uh, when he went to Brazil as a missionary. And he would share with us that Baker James Coffin would tell them as they got ready to go out and head to Brazil, he would tell that group of missionaries, he says, take your possessions in your hand and not in your heart. Uh, because Baker James Coffin, twice when he was arrived at the place of his service as a missionary, he watched him uh, unload all his possessions as it was lifted off by a crane off the deck of a ship and it came out over the water. The cable snapped and it went to the bottom of the bay. And it happened twice to him. And he told him, take those possessions in your hand, not your heart. They may be gone. That's good to do. Then David would tell us, desire the things of God. Uh, verse 20, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Uh, Harrison puts it, I yearn desperately. It's a desire we find in Psalm 42 where it says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? And David's passion for God's word it is so strong, it, it crushes his soul. The little word is broken. My soul breaketh. It's broken. For the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Yet Jesus promises, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness they shall be filled. Desire. How much do we desire the things of God? To hear God's word. You know, Sunday we walked to church uh, we thought that was a big thing. It took us a whole 15 minutes. Uh, I, I never walked to church. But we didn't have a car, so we had to walk today, so we picked the closest one. Uh, that was a good choice. But I really marvel when I hear stories from our missionaries 
uh, of people in areas of the world that will walk miles and hours just to hear God's word. That's what David's talking about in verse 20. And then out of all that, David has a delight in God. Uh, let me, before I forget, going back to verse 20. Is adversity will always be present to take away our desire for God and his word. You look at verse 22. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. So that adversity will be there to try to take it away. So overcome that. Then delight. Verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight. My counselors. Uh, you look through Psalm 119. Uh, David delighted in God and God's word. I mean, it just runs all through it. You look at verse 16. I'll delight myself in thy statutes. Verse 24, which we've read. Verse 77. Let thy tender mercies come up unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Uh, verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Verse 143. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. Yet thy commandments are my delights. Verse 174. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. So it runs all through it. And yet if you notice that many times when he talks about delighting in God's word, there is always some adversity present struggle and realize that just don't be overcome by it uh, you, you look at Psalm 23 and what does David say Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies so it's there the thing is Satan will always try to rob us of our joy he doesn't want you having delight in God, in God's word, and he's going to try to take it away. He'll try to say, say do you, want, you, need, you need to look at that hurt. And just, just focus on that. Look how you were wronged and cheated. Because he doesn't want us looking at the delight we find in God's word. Nehemiah told the people of his day, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now 
the Emmaus disciples. Let me come back to them. We look at the God of the Bible. He is a joyful God. A God who's always moving. A God who is bringing answers and solutions to problems. A God who moves to meet our needs, who brings order out of chaos. He is a God who defeats evil and brings about goodness. And we're to delight in him, his word. Uh, We look at the Emmaus disciples. We looked at them on Easter Sunday. But if you remember, uh, they were walking along sad. And Jesus comes up to them. They didn't recognize Jesus. Jesus asked, what's going on? What are you talking about? They, They told him about how Jesus had been uh, crucified. How all their hope had been shattered. And how it was the third day. And then Jesus, as he walked with them, said, Oh, fools. Unbelieving in heart. And he opened God's word to them. It showed all the Bi- what the Bible in the Old Testament said about the Messiah, the Lord. And they invited Jesus into their home, and as he broke the bread and gave thanks, they recognized who Jesus was. And here were two disciples walking home sad, downcast, downtrodden. But when they went to the right source, and met Christ who came to them and he opened the word they found new delight they changed in fact uh, after that happened Jesus disappeared out of their midst and they ran I believe ran all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples everything changed so important to delight in God because the more we delight in God and his word uh, the more we see who he is and experience his presence and we express that that'll show I think it's interesting that John Wesley he realized he was missing something when he traveled back on ship and he looked at the Moravian Christians and the joy that they had and he said, I don't have that. And that's when he came to a genuine faith in Christ and he got the joy that they had. But how about us? This morning, do we need to deal with God directly? The altar is open. We can always go straight to God. Let us start there. I'm going to ask our team to come back up. But maybe we've been 
struggling. Maybe we've gotten comfortable with things we shouldn't. Maybe we need a heart for the things of God. And a new joy. He'll give that. Let's stand as we sing Alleluia. If you need to come, go directly to the Lord, you can. If you need me to pray with you, I will. You come.